continuing with the teaching, pushing beyond the boundaries of spiritual stagnation. As you are aware, sometimes being born again is not enough. It's the entrance. There is more in the house of God, so we need to push beyond the boundaries of our stagnation. There are times it's not like that because God's ways are far above our ways, and only when we walk closer to, to God, God reveals his ways to us. Amen. Bishop last week started on how to overcome barrenness in the ministry. As you are aware, sometimes in the ministry we can be in a routine or be casual about what God is doing. We believe God, but we don't see the power of God manifest in our midst. So that's a sign of barrenness. Something should happen in our midst. When we are gathered like this, we must command God. God's blessings upon us. We must command God's work in our midst. Amen. So from the introduction, he mentioned that the kingdom of God is more than a school of history and doctrines. You know, sometimes Renana, uh, Christianity is more like a philosophy. It's not. It's the power of the word of God. And we need to believe it and act on it. Amen. It is not just about acquiring head knowledge. It's not for us to know all the scriptures, including the maps, but we need to know the power that is in the word of God. Amen. And it is about fruitfulness. When you act on the word of God, the word of God will always produce in our lives. Amen. So we need to open up before God, and God will, God's plan are to take place from in our lives and we'll see God making us not to be barren but more fruitful. Amen. So like in the natural barrenness, we often go through these seasons through logic explanation. Though there is no logic explanation, what I mean is this. In life, there are barrenness. You may, you may not be productive in your thinking. You may not be productive in work. You may not be productive in... That's barrenness, all that, according to what Bishop explained last week. Amen. Because John 15 verse 2 says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he pashed it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So if ever you are productive in the kingdom of God, just be aware God is expecting more from you. You have not arrived yet. You can still do more in the kingdom of God. Thus, you need to be pruned. You need to be patched so that you can bear more fruit in your life. Amen. And then in verse 5 of John 15, he says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Hey, yeah, Bible literature, you can do. It means there's action, but it says nothing. So God is expecting from us fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. That's what Bishop says. The fruit that the heavenly vine dresser looks for in these people is Christ-likeness. We need to be, that's why we are called Christians. We are like Christ. And we need to grow in the knowledge of God. Amen. In order to, to be productive, a branch must submit to pruning that is beneficial disciple of the Father. We need to be pruned so that we can benefit from bringing more fruit and much fruit in our lives. Amen. Hebrew chapter 12 verse 2 says, we, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So when you fix your eyes on Jesus, you will be productive because Jesus will show you the ways of God. Amen. And then you also read 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 8, which says, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if the word of God abides in your life, you cannot be barren. You'll always bear fruit. You'll always be at another level because Jesus says, I came so that you may have 
abundant life. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 14, he says, Thou shalt be blessed above all people. There shall not be male or female barren among you or among your cattle. When we walk closer with God, the world should get wisdom from the church. The world should get understanding from the church, not the other way around, because we are the wisdom of God. So it's quite important for us to walk closer with God so that God can reveal the secret things to us. Amen. And then Bishop also mentioned the 20 definition of barrenness. And then I'll just highlight a few. He says it's to be uh, unfruitful, to be non-productive, to be deficient in production. Okay, Bazalani, when we talk about everyday life, I mean, all of us, most of us, we go to work on daily basis. Are we productive? Can we show the fruit of our labor? Are we happy to be reviewed every, every week to say, what is it that you have done? What is it that you have produced? You know, Bazalwan, I'm just thinking about this wildly. Can you imagine if all of us as South Africans, those that are employed, are very productive? Are you aware we would create more jobs? But because of unproductiveness, there are no more jobs. So we are, to, we are partly to be, paid, to be blamed. I mean, Barcelona, if we are productive, we would create more jobs because there will be more people needed to do the work. But because we are not productive. Okay. So Bishop also spoke about the symptoms of barrenness in the church, that there will be no growth in numbers of members, no new converts. I mean, most of us here, how many have you brought today? Or throughout the week, how many people did you share the gospel with, with them? Whom did you tell about the love of God? That's barrenness, Barcelona. Absence of healing and miracles. A church as much as is a place where we gather together to learn more from God, but there's a place where we command the presence of God. That's a place where we should hear more testimonies when you've gathered like this because God is in our midst. Amen. So there are steps to overcome barrenness and then there are... I just want to get into some other things that will guide us. Overcoming barrenness by turning barrenness to fruitfulness. It may not be in the natural, but be fruitful in your life. Be productive in your life. Order your life such that you can produce something. Let's read uh, Isaiah chapter 54 from verse 1 to 10. Amen. Isaiah chapter 54 from verse 1 to 10. It reads thus, Sing, O childless women, you, have, you who have never given birth, break into a loud, joyful song, O Jerusalem, you who have never been in labor. For the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husbands, says the Lord. I know it's like a parable. I know it's a challenging statement. But God says, sing in faith. Believe the promises of God. Act on what God has promised you. You know when you have a promise, you are joyful. Okay. You know, Rona, when someone went to town, you knew knowing that there are chips or whatever, nice things from the from town and authority and so on. You start singing before Sing, sing, show excitement. As a church of God, we should be excited simply because we know that the promises of God are true. We should never be sad simply because we know that God will deliver what he has promised. Amen. It says, enlarge your house, build an addition, spread out your home, 
and spare no expense. If you want to be fruitful, create room for your harvest. Create space. Most of us, we can't create space. You want the same thing every day. If you want the same thing every day, you live in the same. You'll never grow. But once you expand, once you grow, once you, you think of growth, you create space. That's what God is saying to us. Don't spare anything when it comes to fruitfulness. Amen. It says, for you will soon be busting at the seams. And the descendants will occupy, and your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. Bazalwani, if we grow like church growth at Bishop Abu Ankayone, establishing a thousand churches, we should be sending people to other nations so that our descendants should grow there. We start another community. You go alone, but with no time, you'll be grown. I mean, think about Joseph. When he went to Egypt, he went alone as a slave, sold to the, to, to the Egyptians. But truth be told, because God was with Joseph. The Bible says after 400 years, there were a nation that Moses had to take out from slavery to the promised land. May it be so that God will take you because of your righteousness, your faith in God, your fruitfulness. You'll bear more fruit in your company. Let it be that you are 10 because you are there. May it be that wherever you go, you change the environment. You change the atmosphere because you are fruitful in whatever you are doing. Amen. It says, fear not, you will no longer live in shame. You know when you are not productive, you are in shame. You can even close down. But once you are fruitful, the Bible says, you will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There is, more, there is no more disgrace for you. God has taken away. I mean, the Bible says, cast your burdens unto Jesus. He'll take care. Now we'll be observing Good Friday, a time when he took all our infirmities. May it be that your shame will also be taken of unfruitfulness. And the sorrow of your widowhood, for your creator will be your husband, and the Lord of heaven armies is his name. He is your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of all the earth. Can you imagine when God is your husband? Can you, I think sometimes we don't just imagine who is God and what can he do when I'm in partnership with God. Once you can have a revelation of trusting God, I mean, think about Joseph, his wages. He trusted God. I mean, not Jacob. Jacob trusted God. You still remember Laban wanted to rob uh, him from his salary and so on. After he had worked, he didn't want to pay him and so on because he was very productive. But here is something. Joseph trusted God. Jacob trusted God. And because he trusted God, Jacob was able to make whatever is supposed to be his wages to be very fruitful. Because he partnered with God. You and God are very dangerous. You and God, no one can stand against you because you are very powerful. So trust in the living God. Amen. Verse 6 says, For the Lord has called you back from your grief as though you were a young wife abandoned by a husband, says, says your God. You know a young wife, a young wife is very productive. A young wife, what's evil? Energy day. This is what God says. You'll be like a young wife when you are with God. Think about it. I think sometimes these things, and that's why we can't practicalize them. We can't see the greatness of what God can do together with you. Amen. It says, for a brief moment, I abandon you, but with great compassion, I'll take you back. With great compassion, I'll take you back. In a burst of anger, I turned my face away for a little while, but with everlasting life, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. 
Just as I wrote in the time of Noah that I would never again let the flood cover the earth, so now I swear that I will never again be angry and punish you. For the mountains may move and the hills disappear, but even when my faithful love for you will remain, my covenant of blessing will never be broken, says the Lord who have mercy on you. God says, I will never break that covenant. You know very well about the covenant between Jonathan and David. You die, you will be killed when you break that covenant. God knows and understands the importance of a covenant. And we cut a covenant by accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives. Amen. So it is interesting how many of God's vessels were barren at start. Actually, when God uses people, he doesn't use people by obvious. That's why his choice is not our choice. We will look at, what, at the five senses, what is natural, what you can see, but God doesn't go for the obvious. God will go for the one that you say is barren, and God will sample with that person. Amen. So there are notable women through whom God was going to bring forth the promised seed who had to overcome barrenness? Example, Sarah and Rebecca. Amen. God calls all of us in a barren state and take us through a cycle of barrenness in our life before he brings forth his ultimate plan for our lives. What God does, God wants you to totally surrender and depend on him. He doesn't want to, to use your own strength. He doesn't want you to, to use what you have because God will equip you for what, that which he calls you for. That's what the Bible says. Amen. So it's quite important to realize that he wants to take us through the whole cycle. Only powerless, but just depending on God to do something through your life. Amen. So when you are in a state of barrenness, you have certain feelings that alludes to, that is alluded to in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 54 from verse 4 and 6. It says there is shame that happens. You are ashamed when you are barren. If also productive, we are ashamed. How about to review? How about to review? How we tabeli? Because you know you have not been productive. You are disgraced. You don't want to see the labor, your labor, because you realize that it's not worth what you are being paid. You feel forsaken or deserted. When you are in a barren state, you are in a hopeless condition. God wants to call you out of a barren state. Amen. You are grieved in the spirit. You feel refused or rejected. And that's a state of barrenness. But Jesus said, I came so that you should have abundant life. I came so that you shouldn't go through shame and be disgraced. So God wants to turn over our barrenness into fruitfulness. We, we have in God and in his express purpose to bless us in Christ. God wants to press us in Christ. That Jesus, that's why Jesus is the only way, the truth and the light. Marimudimu wa Jesu is the only one that you know that when you go through Mudimu wa Jesu, you'll be fruitful. That's for sure. That's what the Bible says. Amen. And he will never disappoint you. Amen. However, before he does that, he wants to use barrenness to deal with you. You are hopeless. trust the job. If you are not surrendered to God, God cannot use you. Amen. So there are six principles that God wants to see operating in our lives in times of barrenness that are illustrated by six barren women in the Bible. These principles are the basis of our moving from barrenness to fruitfulness. The first example will be Sarah. Sarah portrayed the principle of faith. Sarah was barren and had no child. But the truth, she had many promises 
of fruitfulness. These promises, we find them in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. I don't know if they will show them. I won't read it. Genesis chapter 13, verse 16. Genesis chapter 15, verse 4. Genesis chapter 17, verse 1 to 7. Genesis chapter 18, verse 10. In Genesis 17, verse 15 to 16, let's read. So these are the promises. You still remember God taking Abraham outside to say, count the seed, the sand, and then your children will be as many as the, uh, the grain of the sands, and said, count the stars. Those were some of the promises. And in Genesis chapter 17, verse 15, let's read. It says, then God said to Abraham, regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From, from now on, her name will be Sarah. I was informed that when you have an age, is the meaning of God, Jehovah. It's Sarah with God. Age standing for Yahweh. A word that could not be... Pro so Sarah's name is changed from Sarai, ending with an I, with an H, to say God will be with Sarah. God will make Sarah to be productive. And it says, verse 16, And I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly, and she will become a mother of many nations. Kings of the nation will be among her descendants. This is a promise from God, and nothing is happening that time. I mean, when God promised them, they were relatively young. So when you are young, you want the results immediately. You want to believe God for waiting before the end of this year. That's what, but God doesn't work to, like that because God is not limited to time and space. One day is like a thousand years in God. God is not limited. If you stay with the promise, if you believe the promise, God will fulfill his promise. Amen. So you realize that there are some contradictions when our faith in the word is tested. All these things will be us. How business how Why is it rough? Those are seasons of barrenness and learn something during that time. Learn something during that time. Learn to understand uh, God wants to fulfill his promises. Amen. So we must die to our own schemes. When God is involved, once we plan, God moves away. God doesn't want to get involved because He, he doesn't want to Amen. And then also, we realize that we must cease from striving and manipulation. Hagar and Ishmael. You know, Sarah, when he real, she realized that she doesn't get children, what he did, most of us May God help us not to be so impatient that let's wait for the appointed time. Amen. So uh, cease from striving and manipulation. Don't manipulate situations. Amen. And the other thing that we learn from this is that we must wait for that which is brought forth by God. Wait until God is the one who makes you successful. Because once God opens doors for you, no one will shut those doors. But if you open doors for yourself, they can be shut anytime. And then we must maintain faith and patience. Faith and patience, they are together. I mean, I, I, whenever she, she asked Hagar to sleep with Abraham, it was because you reach a, a, a time whereby you don't enjoy the birthday because you know they mean something. <laughs> I enjoy birthdays. Every day is my birthday. Amen. So you realize that it's quite important that we need to wait 
for that which is brought forth by the Lord. You know, I'll say something that is very painful, and especially to the young girls who are about who wish to get married. You know, go for someone who fears God, who loves God. Sorry, my darling. But if ever I go to principles must be in place, otherwise, there are challenges in marriage. Know that stand in the ways of God, love God unconditionally. Never allow pressure away. Wait until God does something for you because it's rough these days. You'd be crying after you've done wrong and you must live with your, your wrong. Amen. So we must maintain faith and patience. This is in Hebrew chapter 6, verse 12 to 15. Let's read that. Hebrew chapter 6. Otherwise, Hebrew chapter 6, verse 12, it says, Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. And I know you are under pressure. But wait upon the Lord. And at the right time, God will grant you the desires. So, will give you a God-fearing man. A man, I'm a priest in the house. It's time to pray. It's time to do things the, right, the godly way. Amen. So be aware that the principle Yasara of faith, it highlights that there is an appointed time when we have the unwavering faith. Don't be moved by circumstances. I'm so glad you birthday. Do you enjoy? This is The second example, the Rebecca. And Rebecca represents the principle of prayer. We read that in Genesis chapter 25, from, uh, verse 21. Genesis chapter 25 from verse 21. Amen. It reads this, Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer and Rebekah became pregnant with twins waiting upon the Lord. Here is a situation. Isaac, the only begotten son, was Abraham. Unfortunately, and now he intercedes, he trusts God, he, gets, he asks God to get involved in this whole thing. And the Bible says his intercession was persistent. It was a prevailing prayer, an effective prayer. You cannot pray an effective prayer if you don't know the promise. The Bible says we pray amiss because we don't pray according to what God has promised us. But an effective, effectual prayer, the fervent prayer is the one that is based on the word of God. When you pray according to the word of God. And Isaac prayed this prayer. And the Bible says when the results came, God who has a high sense of humor, it was twins. Jacob and Esau. These are the results of waiting upon the Lord and not doing many other things. Isaac and Rebecca, they didn't do anything. They just waited upon the Lord. And God proved that they will be fruitful in their lives. Amen. The third example is Rachel. 
And with Rachel, we learn the principle of pure motivation. Amen. That is in Genesis chapter 29, verse 31. Genesis 29, verse 31. It reads thus. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he enabled her to have children. But Rachel could not conceive. So when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb. But Rachel was barren. Rachel was much loved and favored, but God needed to do some things, to take some things out of her to deal with her pride. You know when your life is all together, you don't respect other people who are struggling. When your life is all together, you don't have a... You don't esteem the things of God. You think that it's obvious. Things they get a hell. But it was a teachable moment for Rachel. To say, now that you are loved, you still remember the story of Rachel and Leah. Whereby Jacob, after working hard for seven years, Irile, uh, on the day, after that, and meaning, instead of Rachel, it was Leah. Because culturally, you wouldn't marry the youngest before you marry the, old, the elder one gets married. So unfortunately, that was a condition for Jacob. That's why Laban had to give uh, Leah first before Rachel. Even though um, Jacob worked hard for Leah. Amen. So Leah was confident that I'm the queen. I'm the. You know, it's amazing when you read the book of Genesis to a point that Leah, hey, there's a time in the Bible, you know the Bible is very, you must read your Bible. It says, Rachel will schedule the day and the time when Leah must meet with Isaac. And it's like, wow. Schedule. But we really thank God because God had to deal with Rachel to teach, him, to teach her to be humble, to teach her to understand God. And then now we realize that Rachel, because of that, he became envious. Let's read Genesis chapter 30 verse 1 and see that. It says, when Rachel saw that she wasn't having any children for Jacob, she became jealous of her sister. I mean, again, it shows that the natural things are not what God uses. God will use the supernatural, not the natural things. And now you realize she's jealous of the ugly one. Because the ugly one is getting children. And we realize that also Rachel was involved in idolatry. You still remember when they moved from Laban back to their promised land. The Bible says Rachel stole the gods of his fathers. You still remember how Laban and then he didn't want to come off the horse or whatever she was riding because she said she was in she was experiencing a menstrual cycle and so on and so on. And Laban couldn't touch her, but she was the one. Not only that, she had put having children above God. Be careful with your desires. If they are above God, you'll go through a lesson in life. The other thing that we realize, Rachel started blaming others. Let's read uh, from verse one to three. Okay, it says, when Rachel saw that she wasn't having any children for Jacob, she became jealous of her sister. She pleaded with Jacob, give me children or I'll die. Then Jacob became furious with Rachel. Am I God? He asked. He's the one who has kept you from having children. Then Rachel told him, take my maid, Bila, and sleep with her. She will bear children for me, and through her, I, I can have a family too. 
Now you realize if ever you are not waiting on God, you'll be so manipulative in life. You'll do things your own way. That is not fruitfulness because you're causing pain to yourself. There are certain principles that will follow. Amen. And you realize that irrespective of the fact that Rachel was the loved one, was the beautiful one, she was bitter towards God. And then you find that she also had contention and strife. We find that in Genesis chapter 30 verse 8, let's read. It says, Rachel named him Naphtali, for she said, I struggled hard with my sister and I'm winning. That's after she started having children. So she was going through struggle. There was a lot of strife in Rachel. So have pure motivations for whatever you're doing and God will show, yourself, show himself mighty. So when Rachel was ready and her heart was right, God moved mightily on her behalf. Let's read in Genesis chapter 30, verse 22 to 24. Amen. 22 to 24. Then God remembered Rachel's plight and answered her prayers by enabling her to have children. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son. God has removed my disgrace, my disgrace she said. So one thing that you need to learn... You need to do things right. God, Rachel had to repent and get it right. And it's only then that God answered the prayer. God didn't give her children simply because he, she had to realize that I'm in a wrong position. I'm not aligned with the principles of the word of God. And thus she repented and that she got pregnant. Amen. And the fourth lesson that we are learning from this example is Samson's mother. And from Samson's mother, we learn the principle of consecration. Judges chapter 13 from verse 2 to 5. Amen. It reads thus, In those days, a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in the town of Zorah. His wife was unable to become pregnant, and they had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, Even though you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. So be careful. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food. So as children of God, we need to be aware there are do's and don'ts. Yes, we are free in Christ, but there are certain things that they should never be heard that they are happening among us. And these are the things of consecrating your life, giving yourself wholly to God. Because of the condition of the people of God, he was going to raise up a deliverer to rescue them. Now, God didn't just choose Moana Olinten. He looked for a woman who is barren. He looked for a woman who is hopeless. A woman who trusts in God and believes God for everything. And that's the woman who became the mother of Samson. And you know the story of Samson because Samson was to be a deliverer to the Israelites because the Philistines were abusing them. Amen. So she had to be separated or consecrated to God so that her offering her son would also be separated to the Lord. What does this actually mean? When you live a pure life, your children will be after you, will take after you, will live a life that you are living. And it's quite important. We are aware that there are moments when the devil will intercept. But under natural circumstances, in general, God will make you to prosper and your children will prosper too if you live a life that is consecrated. And you will be able to fight the devil just like Job because Job lived a consecrated life, but we realize Job's life was challenged because the devil wanted to, to defile what God wants to do through the life of God. And that's why God told the devil, do anything to Job, but never touch his soul. If your soul is not touched, don't move away from God. Don't move away from God because God will stay faithful to you. Amen. 
So the result of this dedication of Manoah's wife was that she was blessed with a child through whom the Spirit of God was able to move. You still remember when the Spirit of God was upon Samson, Samson would perform signs and wonders. Samson would take a jaw of an, of a, of an axe and be able to kill the seal stand. Samson was able to tie those jackals and put fire on them so that they, 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 they burned the fields of the Philistine. Samson was able to, to push those pillars to, to be able to kill all the Philistines that were in their house. So there are purposes why you are barren. Learn something from your barrenness and seek God all the time. God Jehovah will give you a breakthrough. Amen. The fifth example is the principle of contentment through Hannah. That story we read in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1 from verse 1 to 2. 1 Samuel chapter 1 from verse 1 to 2. It reads as, There was a man named Elkanah who lived in Ramah in the region of Zerf, in, in the hill country of Ephraim. He was the son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tehu, son of Zeph, son uh, of Ephraim. Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah did not. Each year, Elkanah would... Okay. Hannah did not have children. Now, here again, it's a story of two wives up to verse 2. And now, God was about to do something new in Israel. He needed someone who is pure. Don't forget, barrenness, it means Bishop said something sterile. Or sing defiled again totally fast. Do you still remember God refused David to build him the temple because he said, your hands are full of blood. God some who needs someone that is pure, someone also he that's, that's a, so you shouldn't look at barrenness in the negative. Look at it and say, what can I learn from this stage? Or the season only moyon. Amen. So the order of prophetic ministry in the nation, he needed to establish the order of the prophetic ministry in the nation to be the moral conscience of God's people. As you know, that time, they were ruled by judges, and priest Eli was the priest at that time, but priest Eli, nesese ali kejwa, likantosamundiyum. Nesese ili position, nifele, asakola aizatona, asakaide batukalintulamundiyum. And God wanted the, his people to know the word of God, and to live by the principle of God. So God was looking for a woman who will raise a child to be the conscience of God's word in the nation. So that people can hear more of God's word. And as you know the story of Hannah, Hannah was in the church and then praying. And then it says, she was going to bring forth the first prophet. But she was praying. Can you imagine greatness? But because only barren was panic. Amen. So in verse 5, we realize that she was continually mocked. Let's read verse 5. Uklobono, what does it say? It says, And though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. Whenever there was this sacrifice, the choice portion, great AAA, how great AA, triple A, something like that. I think it's the best or something like that. So this is the portion in Hana Nasai Gray. But Hana Nasareki Wikanama Nei Patelabana. That's the reality, Yahana. Hannah nali in a place whereby Obatabana. And then verse 6 and 7, let's read. It says, So Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears. And would not even eat. Now this shows the pain, yeah, barrenness that it does. And may it be that in that state, in that condition, you will seek God. You'll want to know God. You want to live to please God. Amen. So you realize the husband. 
So she was, she became hard and bitter in her spirit. There's something that I want us to learn. In verse 10, the bitterness of the, of the spirit. Okay, let's read it so that you understand. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. You know, sometimes your state of mind can make your body fruitful because she was so bitter. She was in a place whereby even her body, you know, they say, how about that one now? I'm not going Disclaimer, I don't know. Maybe Giri meets Sabasadiwa Hulu, but I don't know that. But this is the state. If ever your heart is heavy, you cannot receive goodness because you won't see goodness because your heart is heavy. Your heart is bitter. Your heart is not in a state. Whether I'm not just talking about in the natural. I'm talking about in any other way. If on negative economy, business, what are you going to get? Nothing out of it. But if you are positive, you are focused on color business, knowing that God will prosper you, you'll have clients, you'll have this, you'll have that, you'll go and market your goods and so on. Irrespective of the economy, you'll be successful because your heart, your attitude is okay. Your attitude is positive. So it's quite important to understand the bitterness of a heart. It's what I said, you discover successful in life. Amen. So that was the state, Yahan. And then now we realize that he had anguish, he was afflicted, he was very sorrowful. Her spiritual condition, okay, became the reflection of a natural condition. She became barren in spirit too. So when change took place in her spirit, it precipitated or it caused a change in the natural condition. Once you change your attitude, it changes everything else. Your attitude is everything in life. And if ever your attitude is positive towards the things of God, God will prosper you. God will make you to be successful in life. And we read that in verse 16 and verse 18, to verse 18. Let's read that. It says, don't think I am a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, Go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. That turned around Hannah. That made Hannah to believe in God and understand that, you know what, let it be that she gives thanks and understand that God will intervene in her life. So that was the break, uh, breakthrough, yeah, uh, contentment. Amen. The last one, Elizabeth. Elizabeth represents the principle of timing. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. I hope you are learning so that you can adjust your life. Possibly you are, you are starting to realize that you are somewhere barren and you have not been careful how you live. Luke chapter 1. Amen. And then verse 5 to 7. It reads as, when Herod was king of Judah, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of, of the Lord's commandments and regulations. Amen. Verse 7 says, they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. Now, here is something. Who do you blame? They were righteous. They loved God. They did everything right. So you realize that Elizabeth was doing everything right and yet there was no fruitfulness. As time went by, she got older and older. Happy birthday to you. That was Elizabeth because something is coming. Happy birthday to you. Yay, old age. Yay, old age. Hey, can you tell me a story? 
I was applying for something. So So they said, show you are a pensioner. And I thought, wow, I'm a pensioner. <laughs> because the rules have changed. After 55, you are a pensioner. So I'm a pensioner. So I get a little because I'm a pensioner. Wow, God is good. Okay, then this is the thing with Elizabeth. Elizabeth was not happy because he realized every birthday it meant it's impossible to have children because I'm getting older. That's why it was happening. So you realize that in her mind it was like it's too late. God has passed me. I am too old for God to use this way. There's no way in Kabana Litbana, okay, Kitla, Kitla Amuhela, and live a life, yeah, Kate Way Kitla Pilankating. Nothing can happen now. What are you, the question is, what are your thoughts in a state of barrenness? Be careful never to negate the promises of God. Be careful never to think of some things that are negative because you are in a state of barrenness. Amen. And we realize that nothing is impossible with God. Sarah too was very old. And you realize that Sarah was old. He has pregnant. But what is impossible with God? Nothing is impossible with God. Amen. So you realize that. If that was the case, you could, uh, Elizabeth stayed faithful. What was the challenge, Ka Elizabeth? It was timing. It doesn't matter the Hakayadi prayer meetings in Kaufela and so on. The timing of God was not right yet. So there is this patience that you need to have because of timing. You may do everything right, and whenever you do everything right, it doesn't mean stand backsliding. It means wait for the appointed time. Wait for the due season. Wait for the right time to happen. Because Elizabeth, there was not, everything was right. Others had to repent and mend their ways, but she was right. Does it help us to understand the word of God? Or sometimes what God is doing for another person, it's the same same. You know how you look at China more, but same, same. It's not same, same with God. Same, same. I see same, same. Amen. Let's read Luke chapter 1, verse 36. Luke chapter 1, verse 36. It reads thus. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. Amen. 37, for the word of God will never fail. The word of God will never fail. In her old age, God remained faithful because he's forever faithful. And don't forget, God is, uh, the angel is telling Mary, Mary who is still single, not married, and now he's telling Mary that you're going to be pregnant. God did miracles say two days ahead. How do you explain the ways of God? It's so difficult. All you need to do, love God unconditionally. You don't know but when you stay faithful to God, God will show himself mighty on your behalf. Amen. So you realize that John the Baptist would be born according to God's timetable, not according to Elizabeth's timetable. Can you imagine if Elizabeth Akrelewana before Jesus Christ came? Six months will never, the leaping of the child in, in Elizabeth's womb would not have, John would be too old to have prepared the way for Jesus. But John had to baptize Jesus. John, God's timing is perfect. John's timing we cannot understand. But it was God Jehovah who orchestrated the whole thing. So sometimes, don't, don't, don't write yourself off. 
Because you never understand God's way. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And these things will be added unto you. There are challenges in life. People will ask you questions. But stand believing that God Jehovah will see me through. God Jehovah will never leave me nor forsake me. That's what he said to me. And his promises are true to me. Amen. So all prayer, uh, like you should know, all prayers could not change the state of Elizabeth because of timing. So barrenness in only timing. It's a wrong time. Amen. In conclusion, God delights in bringing barren to a place of fruitfulness. We saw that in Isaiah 54. Are extend, do some, start singing, be excited about life. Whenever you hear the promises of God, Oskai writer of, you know, some of us, whenever the word is being preached, you cannot be in an environment where the word is not for you. Make the word of God to be practical in your life. Live according to the prayer, irrespective of the state. So it may mean something. The word of God is amazing. It's one word, but it means different things to different people. Your testimony is the original testimony of what God can do for you. So never we write her off and say, it's not for me. You never know God's ways. You never understand God's ways. Amen. So God brings key redemption and turning point in history of salvation through what appeared to be barren. obvious. A way of working such that you must see the greatness of God. Amen. So something about suffering that results from extended barrenness bring about the kind of character change that prepares the way for the birth of blessings and destiny. You know, nakomo oya through life o struggle. I mean, it's like you know when you grow up, udule osa duluko heno, kilaba na osa duluko heno. Kona lento akoro ba kusota. Ukwe na katundi chana every day. Kwe na oya ringba na ba mungu ngabas na order. Kwe na kisang order because haba shapa, haba shapa we na mo. Lai lo kuri kwa kamungu ngabas it's in total right. All that it transfers. Whenever you get older, watch who has order in life. You'll be more orderly than them because they were allowed to do whatever they like. It was tough, it was not easy, but it was necessary to order your life. Especially if you don't have paid, uh, parents, sometimes it's like it's abuse. It's not just abuse, they, they are training you to be independent. They are training you to know how to deal with issues in life because Amen. So, God, God called history makers out of barren places and vastness of the wilderness. If you want to be a history maker, if you want to turn around life, Yako family, the lineage and everyone, turn around the way you do things. Trust God and believe God for breakthroughs. So, these are the places where godly people get their training in barrenness. So now let's learn something that you can be fruitful, only barren, but God is there to make you hurry over fruitful because there's a way I, there's things that are preparing in your life. Bazalwane, I want us to pray. Sometimes we read the Bible, but we don't understand the Bible. Sometimes we get confused because of pressure that comes our way. I want us to take time to pray before God Jehovah. You know your barren state or your barren season in life. It might be productiveness, it might be long, it might be wisdom, it might be natural whereby you are not even getting children. I don't know which area you experience barrenness, but God wants to make you fruitful. I want us to trust God and believe God that God, this is what you've promised me. And I stand on the promises of God. I'm not moved. I will never allow any negative talk, anyone to say things against me, things that will make me to move away from the promises. I'm going back to the things because those things are your purpose. You just, that's why envy it's because you've forsaken your purpose. Because there was so much barrenness that it was starting to hurt you. Now I'm saying go back, take whatever you've 
you've thrown away or you've forgotten about, come before God Jehovah and allow God Jehovah to heal you, to heal your soul and realign with the principles of God and God Almighty will give you a breakthrough in this life. It might be in relationships. You know some people, what hey, like a great boyfriend, in two months' time, one year male. It's barrenness. There's a lot of barrenness. I think sometimes, but there is a lot of things that happen. There's a promise, get somebody interview, but they never employ me. There's this thing, and I know I won't be employed. That's barrenness and involve God in that area. God will give you a breakthrough. Can we just take time to pray and ask God to make you to be fruitful in your area of barrenness? Almighty God, here we are this morning coming before you, O oh God, asking for your mighty intervention in our, in our lives so that we are not barren in our lives. Lord, you called us to fruitfulness. You said you'll bless us so that we may bear fruits wherever we are. Mighty God, we pray asking you, Lord, to apply kingdom principles to override worldly principles for we know that your ways are above our ways and your thoughts are above our thoughts father there are things that we may not know nor understand things that are concealed to our minds we pray that may the presence of the holy spirit reveal these things to us so that Jehovah, we stay focused we stay understanding that, Daddy, you want to make us to be fruitful and productive in our lives. May it be, Jehovah, you forgive us in areas where, Father God, we are very manipulative. Where, Father God, we didn't trust you and we started creating our own things. Forgive us, oh God, we repent. We forsake everything and we allow you as God, Jehovah, to be the one who directs and orders each and every step that we take in this life. May it be that as Christians, oh God, we'll develop a character just like Jesus, a character that dependent on you. The Bible tells us that whatever Jesus did, he'd call unto you, asking for your intervention, oh God, so that kingdom principles will be applied on earthly principles and we know that the kingdom of uh, kingdom principles would always overcome daddy you know this your children individually by name you know the areas where there is dryness you know areas where they cannot bear fruit and mighty god i ask in the name of jesus christ our lord and savior may it be that father god you will intervene in their lives and make them to experience the God who provides, the God who's faithful, the God who loved them so much that he gave us Jesus Christ, that through him we should have life in abundance. I pray for order in homes, in, ho in families where there is no peace. I pray that, Father God, for physical children where there's barrenness, I pray, oh God, for those that are unemployed, bless the work of their hands. May they be entrepreneurs and start doing something with their hands. Lord, I pray, show yourself mighty on behalf of this nation. Yes, we are going through shame. We are going through so many other things, but you being God, Jehovah, you said when two or three are gathered in your name, Lord, you'll show yourself mighty. And we are standing in agreement pertaining to kingdom principles. And we say, God, Jehovah, show yourself mighty on behalf of this nation. Father, we love you. And we know that, Father, it will be well even at our schools. It will be well at workplace. Lord, may it be that people will never be manipulated to get employment. People will never be abused. Lord, may we learn to respect one another. To learn to, to dwell with, uh, with one another, with understanding, not knowing that you as God Jehovah, you want us to be successful. May we obey the, the Ten Commandments. Understand what you were saying to the children of Israel as they were going to the promised land. May we learn to honor one another so that we don't abuse one another. We come against the spirit of abuse that makes us to be barren in our nation. 
Father, we love you. And we thank you that you heard us this morning. And I know that Jehovah, you are starting to perform miracles in the life of these, your children. May it be that they will receive answers where there are questions, where there is despair. Let there be hope in Jesus' mighty name. Father, we give you glory. We give you honor and adoration. Amen and amen. Whilst our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, maybe you are in the house today. You have never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. That is the first step where you start having a relationship with God, Jehovah. I just want to invite you this morning, Hore, come. Receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. What does that mean? It means acknowledging that God, Jehovah, through Jesus Christ, they want to redeem your life. They want to guide you. They want you to be successful in this life and be very productive. And the only way is through Jesus Christ because he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So if we think about this, we will be able to get the house. 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 You are in this house, and I just want to give you an opportunity. We will be able to get the house. We will be able to get the house. If you are in the house, would you please indicate by lifting your hand wherever you are so that we may pray with you? You are saying, I want to start with the first step. God bless you. I see that hand, my brother. Any other person, you want to be bold to say, today I see that hand at the back. May God richly bless. Don't be ashamed. God wants to make you great. And for, greatness, for you to be great, you must have that relationship. I see those hands at the back. May God richly bless you. So I'm just going to make one last request. Wherever you are, would you please take all your belongings and come to the altar as a sign of surrendering to God. Wherever you are, ushers, please guide them and direct them as they come from. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you were to join. Just come, Luena, because this is the first step that is very key. God bless you.